What does it pay? Dollar an hour. I'm working. No, but it won't be for long. What if, not if you get yourself killed? It's gonna snow. The fire's gonna go out. They're gonna send everybody what if it home. Snows at Joe, all? what do you think? Is oh this a bad God. idea? Don't ask him. He'll the brother he's didn't almost do. grown. He's right. saying what happens in this family. Burned up and you never see him again. What are you supposed to do? Don't say that, Jesus! Keep running every time something doesn't go your way. Hello, everybody. Welcome to So What Did You Think? I am your host, Nick Ledoux. For those of you who don't know, this is a movie podcast show where me and a guest will come on and we will discuss a film that we have just seen for the first time and give our immediate reactions. Today, I'm bringing on a very special guest. We actually just met very recently. He is a student at Cal Lutheran and he's a sophomore. He's majoring in film and business out in uh, Thousand Oaks, California. He also is an actor. He uh, is a SAG member, which is very cool. He also does some voiceover work on several projects, including a new uh, Adult Swim project, which is very cool. Um, So he's very talented, very doing lots of different stuff out there. So, uh, yeah, this is Anthony Aranello. Ahoy, Wingapo, as Pocahontas (laughs) would say, right? (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know, somebody's got to do it. Exactly. Yeah, uh, so today the movie we watched was Wildlife. Now, this is a movie that is uh, directed and written by Paul Dano. This is a directorial debut. Uh, This stars Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Carrie Mulligan, as well as Bill Camp. And their son, which I don't remember the name of, but uh, yeah, he's in the like Alexander and the horrible, no good. He's he's that kid. <laughs> he looks perfect. Yeah, for it. He plays a very good fourteen-year-old boy. I he think. really does. <laughs> yeah, he actually looks like just like a friend of mine. It cracked me up. I was like, oh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like he kind of looks a bit like Paul Dano too, which is a, a little bit. So. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe that was part of it. Maybe, yeah, maybe, you never know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this uh, this movie came out this year. Came out in September. Uh, yeah, it's it's just, it was it's, different. It was it's, it's uh, different, and it, it wasn't very talked about. Um, no, it kind movie, of slid under the radar. Yeah. yeah, and I really wanted to do this movie because I think uh, this is a, I've heard really good things about this movie. Anyone yeah. who's seen it has loved it, and so I really wanted to give some thoughts on it. Um, it, I mean, what were your just initial thoughts like leaving? Overall, what did you think? Um, I really like this movie. You really, yeah, you, <laughs> I really, I was I really a fan do. Too. I really yeah, thought it was I'm a, interesting. I'm a big fan of this movie. It really surprised me what the real plot is, and I mm-hmm. don't even want to give that away right now right. to people who haven't seen the movie because I think going into this movie knowing very little is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, all I really say is that it's Jake Gyllenhaal who plays the father. He loses his job and is forced to find a new job working as a firefighter. And it takes place in 1960s Montana, and you kind of see... That alone is just a great start. 1960s Montana is just... So many thoughts on that as a whole. <laughs> just like, what a time, it's, what a place. Yeah, it's an interesting time and place that I don't yeah. really see a lot of in movies, honestly. I don't see a lot of movies taking place in Montana. No, you know, and that, I think for the choice of a director to... Or a writer, actually, to choose that region is is kind of interesting. I think it gets mm-hmm. glazed over a lot in general, um, mm-hmm. especially here. We think yeah. of the U.S. kind of as these crusts and kind of the middle of the sandwiches. Eh, it's there. <laughs> what really it's happens the, it's there? A, yeah, it's a flyover state. Yeah, we, we think, oh, yeah, whatever. But but getting this, uh, this insight into that was kind of interesting right. and how they incorporated elements of Montana. As, exactly. As I a think place. what's interesting is that this story is a story you've most people can relate to or have mm-hmm. seen or 
you know, it's a, it's a familiar story when you actually unravel what the plot of this movie really is. Mm-hmm. But I think the way the backdrop and the setting that they put this in by putting it in Montana yeah. makes it a very unique experience, I think. Yeah. Um, and and the character's relationship to their place. I don't know. Are we, you, did you want to start getting into the nitty gritty or you want a more uh, general thoughts? We do a little general thoughts. Okay, general thoughts. We'll get yeah, in nitty yeah. in a second. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get um, in there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, overall, I, I really was. Um, my family's from that area, not Montana, oh. South Dakota. So it was okay. interesting is, is for me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so many people are like, what's the difference? Is there. Uh, and, and that was kind of uh, cool for me was to see the Midwest in that kind of light where uh, seeing some parallels with my family and and uh, yeah. the lifestyle. Yeah, that's was very cool. Interesting. And I don't know anything about really anything about Montana or South Dakota for that nature. So yeah, most people I, don't. <laughs> yeah, which is nice, I think, because I think I, it was a cool backdrop and it was something that I am not super familiar with and mm-hmm. I really like movies that can enlighten me on like an area yeah. or topic that I'm not super familiar with. So yeah, I really yeah, like yeah. that. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was nice, and and I thought that um, I think if you're gonna choose to watch it, there's so many ways to watch it, and mm-hmm. and it has so many layers in it. It's incredibly complex, and there's I think so I would describe much. this movie basically as just a complex character study, uh-huh. specifically of just Carrie Mulligan's character who plays the wife she and the mother. Really, um, really was just showcased so well in that. Yeah, I, she, I was really impressed with her. It's easily the best role I've ever seen her in. I've mm-hmm. only seen her in very little. <laughs> she is in yeah. The Great Gatsby. Which, which, was, we, which we discussed. Which we figured out. Yeah. figure out who she was. Uh, but yeah. yes. She yeah. is giving one of the best performances of the year, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And everyone delivers as well. I think Jake Gyllenhaal also gives just a phenomenal performance. Very, uh, he... I think he showed a side of being uh, of being in his position of in his family overall just how really getting into the the psyche of him and and mm-hmm. showing um the complexities of of his place in relationship to his family and this place and all of it was really Which well I, done yeah i think that's what the movie really shines the best in is that it makes you almost care about and empathize with every character mm-hmm. in this film. I think same with the child as mm-hmm. well. Like I could really understand his emotion yeah. and what's going on with the whole family dynamic throughout the film with that, as well as what Carrie Mulligan is going through and Jake Gyllenhaal. I think these are incredibly well-developed characters, and they're all giving just mm-hmm. like stellar performances. And they did so, I think, in a way that was true to the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, take the same story, set it now, you'd have a completely different situation. Yeah. But their character developments in accordance with um, the time period, the location, really went along with... I mean, I obviously wasn't there, but what we would perceive to be um, true to form, I think. Right. I think there's a lot to say there about like what the wife is, the kind of role and stereoty- stereotype mm-hmm. that goes with being a wife in the 1960s, as well as like being the patriarch in the family and what Jake Gyllenhaal fills, what he thinks he needs to fill as as a father and as a role model for his family, as well as what the kid feels. I feel like that's very accurate to what the 60s was. Yeah. And this story wouldn't be... It would be very different, I think, if it was told in 2018. Oh, yeah, I I agree. And what was so interesting to me was that you have these so classically... um, 
dare we say, American ideas or, or you know, 60s-type values of what you were just saying, the mother and the father relationship and the kid and where everybody's place right. is. And then it's like there's that, but there's also elements that are so not okay mm. at that time period um, and, and really challenge what I think we would hold to be the um, ideal. Yeah, I agree. I think every character has their own ideal Mm -hmm. form of what they need to be and it's interesting to see them fail at Mm -hmm. that ideal I think and kind of the emotion and kind of them reevaluating what they really need to do with their life and it's it's a very interesting character study on I think these individuals and their personal story but also the stereotypes and the roles of what it means to be a family in the 1960s which is really cool I think yeah um and it's interesting to think about people, you know, who who you might know, who I might know, who are of that generation of being in the kids' position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, because everybody's always talking about millennials and this, this um, kind of phenomena of what created the problematic millennial. Well, they stemmed from the generation being raised in this time period. So how does that child's upbringing influence their later parenting and seeing how you know this depiction of of that child's upbringing might yield some i mean we're totally getting speculations going on right now but it would be interesting to kind of see like well you know let's say you did want to change everything about his childhood in translating that further like how does that show an element of american identity and american culture through the um the translation of that childhood experience right i agree yeah it's, it's very something that's interesting to compare mm-hmm. to like now and then and yeah i agree um yeah so let's go into it let's get into that nitty all right let's go into go. spoilers um so if you haven't seen the movie uh we i think we both can recommend this it's absolutely it's a very phenomenal film and it gives excellent performances it's excellently written and it's mm-hmm. very just a very beautiful story um and a good look into what 1960s life is but yeah, so if you haven't seen it, go see it, see and it? then come back and listen to the rest of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. It's yeah. great. Um, yeah. Um, one of the first things, I want to emphasize the performances again, but mm-hmm. in regards to kind of the plot. So obviously the plot is the wife eventually grows apart from her husband as he sure. goes off for this wildfire to go be a firefighter and cheats on her husband. And mm-hmm. you see, what's interesting, I think, is that you get to see her development, her transformation over the course of the film is that she is, like, unhappy in their marriage, but it's kind of, like, stagnant almost, and she has, like, lost a sense of purpose in a way, and you... I I empathized with her, like, at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the movie, kind of, like, feeling bad for her, and you can say she's, like, a horrible person for the things she does and how she affects these other people, but it's... I could empathize with her, and I could see her side a bit of, like, her just wanting to find a sense of purpose and feeling she lost her youth and, like, yeah. not being able to, like, be happy and satisfied anymore, you know? Well, even just the the way she was costumed was so interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, just taking her from the beginning of the movie where she's this kind of... We, you know, you kind of get this snapshot in the first few minutes before the uh-oh moment. Um, 
where it's like this American dream kind of fantasy thing. She's house dress. Hubby comes home. Uh-huh. The boy's there. We're having chicken dinner. I mean, hello. And <laughs> it's just like she's in this happy place. And as soon as, as Jake Gyllenhaal's character goes to leave, the next morning she is in a solid blue dress so no patterns she's got her hair up in like a I'm taking on the world kind of the hairstyle right. we have these beads that are kind of harsher everything is she's more masculine even in relationship to their son Joe mm-hmm. she I think I wrote something down that she said I was like wow that's uh that's hard oh yeah here we go uh the oh wait no I didn't oh well anyway she <laughs> no says way. something to the effect that was just like um, don't kind of man up or, or don't stare at me, get, you yeah. know, this like is time we're taking charge. If you just stare at me. Yeah, yeah, you're not doing anything here, go to school, like, mm-hmm. and and she's kind of taking it upon herself to use whatever she has to advance her and her son forward. And I think that's what makes us feel so empathetic towards her. Yeah, I really like what you said. I didn't really notice the costuming that much, oh, which is something I don't yeah. normally notice, I guess, in movies. But I, I mm-hmm. really like that. I, that's very true. She wears a lot of solid colors as it goes on throughout the movie. Like she wears that green dress when she goes right. to uh, Mr. Miller's dinner. Um, yeah, and there's a, there, there is a very stark difference, I think, between the dress dresses that she wears. Well, in in, in that dress, she I thought it was interesting because you see that her her switch into being a um, She's kind of like, well, all I have is my body in a way. You know, she, she, we have this moment that kind of scared us both because it's like, <laughs> it's like a horror movie. They're going through the hallway and it's all dark and then mm-hmm. she, she gasps and everybody gasped too. Um, <laughs> but she kind of breaks down and has her moment of like, do you have another tactic for me that you would rather I use um, yeah. in talking to Joe? Because. I think it kind of goes to show the the condition of being a woman in the 60s whose husband is MIA or, right. you know, what do you have to do? Yeah. In a way, that's her loss of purpose. And her purpose was to, like, to please her husband when he was there. Mm-hmm. Now he's gone and she doesn't really know what to do. I feel like that's mm-hmm. kind of a sense that she's getting is that she's nothing without a man in her life. And she's yeah. just, like, discovering her, her herself in a way. And... Like at the, the end, she like ends up moving to Portland and right, be kind of becoming her own person. What I a think. place and, to choose! Yeah, strange. did you feel like that was odd? I, was a, I don't. I'm not sure the purpose of of Portland, Portland. <laughs> other than no offense, but strange. Some strange people live in Portland. I mean, strange people live here too. But Portland has kind of that uh, live and let live kind of vibe. That would be my yeah. only thought. So I think yeah, maybe it's like liberation. She's yeah. becoming more free and independent. Relative short distance from Montana as they go, I suppose. Right. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But even more so, I think the son is also a very good highlight of this film as well. I think, I mean, his performance is also just extraordinary and very subtle. Mm -hmm. And the camera will often, like, linger on his face. Yeah. And instead of you hearing the fight of between the father and the mother, you're watching his reaction to it and you hear the fight in the distance. Right. And they do a lot of that. And like, uh, one of the scenes I want to emphasize is when Jake Gyllenhaal burns down or tries to burn down Mr. Miller's house. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the son sees this like in his 
shocked and starts running to the police station and the camera lingers for like 45 seconds on him right. just running and you like see how tired he is and how scared and like he doesn't know what he's doing and I think that was just so purposeful and like really beautiful to see the son and how he reacts to the situation yeah. it develops his character you feel like you're a 14 year old kid like lost like worried about what your future of your family is going to be especially like when Jake Gyllenhaal is going to come home like what is going to happen you could feel right. that anxiety with him yeah and the uh, the sense of being having him ripped from him back to that when we were talking about the the first time that Jake Gyllenhaal has left it's the morning after he's officially gone and um um Jeanette, the mother, yeah. uh, has this kind of new attitude, and she confronts him, and she says, how does it feel, you know, knowing that your dad's gone, and she kind of has all these passive-aggressive remarks, and mm. and Joe, at that point, is just kind of like, uh, feels the same, but <laughs> yeah. as it keeps going, it gets to the point of him, I think, really, his character development rises to the occasion you know he really takes on this this role of like i'm gonna navigate through what's happening here and even though he is lost and even though he we see those times where he's just like beside himself you know wondering what's going to happen or or feeling so bothered that his mom is out there kind of toting around with mr miller the rich car dealer um he's just kind of gonna figure it out and I think yeah. that's interesting when you think about, like, when your parents fight or something and you're you're young, it's kind of like they say things, you know, we always say things we don't mean when they fight. But when you overhear the fight, you know, you hear these horrible things being said back and forth or the, the arguing and you're, you're uncomfortable and you don't know what to do. And then it, it's almost like they finish and you're... You're left going like, uh, uh, and they may have made up, but you're still reeling from all of that. And getting right. to see that hit him was really an interesting choice. Right. Because I, I think is like the parents often wouldn't, they wouldn't do it in secret. Like, the, especially during the end when the husband finds out and she gets the new apartment and she's leaving him, the son is there and then they tell him to go, but he doesn't. And he just sits there and has to listen to this conversation. Mm -hmm. His family literally falling apart right in front of him. And he's forced to watch that. It's it's very sad. Um, yeah. And one thing I want to note is that I feel like he has this envision for his family of it's a very like broad and idealistic version. Mm -hmm. It's like almost what the 1960s perfect family kind of I ideal life is like. And I think that's what he has in his head. He wants his parents sure. to be perfect or whatever. And he can't quite grasp that. I mean, there's one scene when he is talking to his mother at the diner or something, mm -hmm. and she's like he asks like oh how old are you which seems mm -hmm. like a weird question to like not know your mother's age but it, it, it kind of shows that disconnect i feel like at least that's how i'm kind of interpreting it well that. yeah and, and i think it also is the placement you know we were talking earlier about like everybody having their place the what is the the place of the child what is the place of the parent in relationship to the, one another and in the family dynamic as a whole you know how do we respond to our parents when they are you know upset with us or what do we do and and the disconnect from him to his parents i think is really interesting when they're together but when they separate he gets such a new perspective of them that is so 
it, it's like the romanticized version of the home environment has just been obliterated. Like the American right. dream ideology, if we want to call it that, mm-hmm. is is just taken away as he's seeing his mom basically <clears throat> hitting the town with this guy to try and get some money from him or his dad losing it and trying to burn down a house. Like right. you just see these like parental figures for who they really are, that yes, they're people, which I think is something that we all kind of go through in whatever form. I mean, maybe not burning down a house or something, but you right. that moment when you realize, like, oh, yeah, my, my parents are people too. Right. I feel like this movie is, like, a really just great breakdown of what the American dream is and the facade of that. Like, mm-hmm. I really liked how you were saying that. Like, it just feels like... And it's like a person always kind of puts on like a face when they, whenever they meet someone. They pretend to be someone they're not. They've always put on a smile. And it's like, yeah. especially with social media now, people put on a false persona. Mm-hmm. And this, I feel like, almost shows that analysis of like what a person really is and that no family is perfect and that, you know, the wife is like feeling incomplete and lacking something and the husband doesn't know how to like control or express his anger or his love, you know, and, yeah. and the son doesn't know. He's too young to really understand what's happening, and he's he's the one that is discovering that it's all a facade, mm-hmm. almost in a way, and that's what the audience is feeling. Which it's a really interesting parallel, and I think there is something to, there is something to say between 1960s American Dream idea sure. and maybe something in 2018 with social media or yeah. what people put on, you know, the, the facade in that way. Yeah, and yeah, and the value system that they have. I mean, there's this. One particular instance of um, when they're at, oh, God, what's his name? Mr. Miller? Miller, thank yeah, you. Uh, I started to call him something like a W. Anyway, when they're at Mr. Miller's house and he has the moment with um, Joe saying, you know, I respect your dad for working and I worked really hard and he almost gives him this kind of pep talk of like, here's what you need to do, son, yeah. like you always get when you see right. someone older for the first time or whatever and it it was really interesting to me that that was that was a very i think it was critical to include in the screenplay by the writer to have this kind of because it's a subtextual ideal that i think we have in america um you know work hard and you can get your place and your house and all that other but <laughs> having it spoken outright to Joe by this father figure in that moment was kind of an interesting shift from this kind of working class um, dad that he has who then has to go for fighting fires for $1 an hour pay, you know, and by this rich man was kind of, huh. Yeah, it's interesting to see each person's perspective on what they think, like, a man's role in the family is. And I think Mr. Miller has a very different perspective from what, you know, Jake Jonal's character has and what the son thinks. I think that's really interesting because it's like Jake Gyllenhaal gets the job almost as a sense of pride. Like, he's getting a job because it's brave and he's, like, trying to prove himself to his family even though it's very low pay. And I think that's really interesting that he feels that he needs to kind of prove himself in that sense. Whereas you were saying, like, Mr. Miller has a very different perspective on that. Mm-hmm. And I think the son is almost kind of caught in the middle between that a little bit. I Yeah, I think he's really... I mean, there's so many things in that. I The, the element of masculinity being critiqued in this film yes. is absurd. <laughs> like, yeah. from the start, we're talking about 
and and going back to the American dream, it even emphasizes it further. You know, what, what sport do you play? Well, football, of course. Um, the yeah. son is being pushed into football, and he doesn't want to. And that's like exactly. kind of the immediate, I think, deterioration of this ideal. And there's like all of these moments where it's like what a man should do, what a woman should do, and. Yeah. Um, there's one point when Jake Gyllenhaal's character says to Joe, he's like, you know, men can love each other too. And it, right before he goes off to fight the fire and that cracked me up. I was like, we think like that now, but there is an element of that in, I think our perception or, you know, a generalized, we'll say cultural perception of masculinity where it's, you know, you're a tough guy. You don't love is for ladies and you know puppies or something but not for men to men and it was kind of an interesting moment well jake gyllenhaal's going off wondering is this the last time i'm going to see my kid is this the last time i'm going to be here and he he has this kind of to me it was interesting because that was the last thing he said i think i think that was he got right about he now left right after that and to have that be his potential final moment with his son yeah like if that's all i can impart you with i need you to know that this is the truth which is very interesting it's like jake Gyllenhaal is very aware mm -hmm. of the role he is forced to be put in and he is aware that not everyone should be put in that and that's like the wisdom he wants to give unto his son i think right that's very interesting i and think that's kind of what the message of the movie is maybe is that like everyone is forced into what this like should be role of what you're supposed to do but perhaps like people are people and people can be different like everyone is different from each other and yeah. it should be a, a role like this false masculinity that we have kind of set in america it's like yeah and, and the i see that there's just so many elements to this this movie that are like whoa what where is the i mean themes we have like pages and pages of them <laughs> that and then the um there's a when the mom Jeanette um gets her job she's gonna go be the swim teacher at right. the Y Jake Gyllenhaal's pissed he's like yeah. you're gonna what, 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 what like how dare you go out and get a job yeah. and yeah. even when she gets a job and he first isn't um he first isn't back to work she is still doing all the dishes. She's still doing her her womanly duty, should we call it, and make the feminist puke. But um, she still is doing all of those things. But at the same time, she's she's providing things. Well, Jake Gyllenhaal is just kind of getting drunk and and smoking packs and packs of cigarettes. Yeah, um, yeah it's a real revol reversal like, mm -hmm. of the roles, and then. I think that's what makes him so upset, and that's kind of almost what falls apart is of their family is that he yeah. can't sustain, he can't be the the like the father figure, the the male like breadwinner of this family, and that's that's eating him up, and that's like what yeah. that's his downfall as a character is he can't provide. I really like that's really interesting. I think I had a strange thought, but I'm in a film theory class, and this is what we do, go and we it. just like kind of find things and go off on tangents. <laughs> Um, I love it. From the Marxist critique. No, like if you were going to take a critique um, coming from like a Marxist perspective, you know, take the class differences. I think it was really interesting in all of the ways that it came through, one of which to me seemed 
odd was in smoking because um, it was such a common thing. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, Jake Gyllenhaal smokes from the get-go. We see that happen right away, and he's smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in contrast to him, this, uh, y- you know, the owner of the car dealership, whose name I constantly forget. Um, Mr. Miller. Mr. Miller, <laughs> him. He has, there's a scene when they kind of highlight on the fact that he has this collection of pipes they, he's standing by his kind of fireplace looking and talking about his life and how he got all his money. And you see this collection of pipes displayed. And he smokes a cigar. Yeah. And um, Jeanette only smokes when she has this outfit change to become this, like, rodeo uh, diva kind of mm-hmm. hex girl kind of thing going on uh, where she's going to she's being a rebel and it's her t- she's asking Joe like what do you think what do you think of this outfit and she has this kind of Rizzo from Greece vibe where she's <laughs> like I'm bad I'm cool I'm all this and I just thought it was so it's weird but just how they choose to emphasize the different you know Jake Gyllenhaal's a working class guy he dresses like a working class guy he smokes all the time he has those emphasis things on his persona Jeanette is a mom, and she's proper, and she's lovely. Oh, no, she wouldn't do that until she gets in kind of this weird, I need to make this guy swoon. When she kind of becomes this masculine, takes on this masculine role, that's when she smokes. She's smoking, and she's drinking, and she's being bad. And then you got uh, the the car guy again. Mr. Miller. Yeah, Mr. (laughs) Miller. I know I'm going to do it for fun. Um, Mr. Miller. What's his first name? It starts with a W. I keep thinking W w in my head. It like Winston. Winston. I don't know. Good old Winnie. Um, (laughs) Whatever. Mr. Miller. He has this, like, you know, dignified presence. He's always wearing... Except for the naked scene, he's always wearing kind of some nice clothes, and he has like right. this proper presence. I just thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think there is something to be said about the different classes, and almost the wife's appeal and mm-hmm. moving from that working class to Mr. Miller's higher class. Mm-hmm. I think she's like looking for more. She's lost her sense of purpose with her husband, and maybe this other class, this new like realm that she hasn't explored. Maybe that's where she can find that purpose. Mm-hmm. which I think is interesting that she feels to go higher in class is to find happiness. Yeah. You know. it, it would be an interesting comment on the uh, another American ideology, or, or even just an ideology overall, is, mm-hmm. you know, how do we perceive those classes above and below us, and why is, why is he so desirable? What is she hoping for? Yeah. In my personal view, I think... She really is concerned for for Joe. I think she's worried about the longevity of them, of their, you know, lifestyle. How is she going to continue it? Well, if she does the right things, maybe she'll see a few extra dollars coming her way, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's going to do what she needs to do. Yeah, and she's doing it for her family in a sense, but also for herself, and that's what she thinks is what's important. Um, another thing I want to note is this might be me being a film major and overanalyzing something, but I think there is something to be said about the jobs that mm-hmm. all three of the family members have. So the, the son starts working as a photographer, mm-hmm. and excuse me if I'm overanalyzing this, but I feel like he, he is a photographer because he likes to take photos. He likes the, like, to live, to keep that moment in a way. Like he's photographing that moment because he wants 
to keep the, it the way it is. And that's, that relates to his family dynamic and that he wants mm. to keep that facade of the American dream. And I think that relates to the final scene when he forces his family to all take a photo together, even though they're broken and left with nothing, that he forces them to all take a photo and pretend that they're like a happy family like they used to be, you know? Yeah, I, I see I see that. Now, one thing I might say in that would be interesting, and I don't know, is that throughout the movie we get these, haha, let's be punny, snapshots of um, him working in the photo studio and taking pictures of all of these different people, but they're all styled different than his last one. They all dress nice. They all pose close together. There's several scenes where the guy who owns the photo studio, whose relationship I think we need to talk about, um, <laughs> is like pushing them together to kind of corral them to this kind of always. And he says at one point, always remember to smile. He's right. saying that to work there, but he's saying to tell the people who are taking the picture, always remember to smile. But right. when we take the picture uh, at the end, he first of all, only has two chairs set up right away, which I think was kind of interesting in order to kind of coax them into coming in, not this, well, what are you bringing me in here for? There's three chairs. I know what you're doing. He gets them in. They're all natural. They're not, you know, the mom hasn't set her hair. And then they're separate. They're kind of there, but not. I thought that was interesting in their relationship. I, I will say with that is I think, like you're saying, I think the owner of the store is the one that's forcing them together, and he is... He almost kind of can represent that American dream in a sense where he saying, always remember to smile. Like, even mm. if you're not happy, pretend to be happy. And, like, he's forcing these people together. And they, they show multiple families taking these photos. And these are, like, other families. But I'm sure each of these families that they're photographing have a very similar story that they're doing. You know, I feel like mm. if you could analyze each individual family, they probably have their own problems and their own facade that they're putting on. And I think that photo at the end is a true realistic photo it's like mm. they're not actually happy they're not they don't have their hair up and their makeup done you know it's that's really what their family is like and i think that's like a, that's a big contrast between his other photos i like that i i think yeah. the, I, I, I could agree with that yeah. i okay. i think that there's the relationship of joe to the photography store owner is an interesting one because it's not um it's almost like it's the only constant going on in his life at this point Uh he has these kind of two relationships that we see which is with the photography store owner and the girl at school who i don't recall ever getting an actual name does she I don't remember if there was. I don't think either one of them had a name. Mm -hmm. But they are along with him for the ride. They're kind of like, he got all this stuff happening at home. Dad's gone. Mom's off around town with Mr. Miller. Ha ha. Um, (laughs) um, But he's got these two people, one who's kind of this cutesy almost love interest at school. She's kind of, you know, can you come out to play and that whole thing. And this almost like... He reminds me of almost a grandpa figure of the store owner, you know, kind of being there, kind of absent, but he's there, you know, and it's a place for him to go and something for him to do that is constant. I will say, I think with the girl, I think the purpose of her is to show that his family is falling apart and 
he's so focused on trying to f- like fix this, even if it's pretend, like mm-hmm. they're not actually being happy. He's so focused on trying to build up this family dynamic that he can't find love on his own. And I feel like that's going to especially affect him later on in his life where he is like a now stunted and traumatized from like his experience with his parents that he can't mm. find happiness within himself. That's interesting. So, because you really don't, there is no focus on the girl, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a couple scenes that she's there, but we don't remember her name, even if she had one, you know? And I think that's right. very purposeful, is that he's not paying any attention to her once all this stuff kind of goes down, and I think that's there's something to be said about that. But she also kind of gives a parallel to his own situation, because the first interaction he has with her, or one of the first, if it's not the first, is they're on the bus, and she's like, oh, you're taking a bus today, and she explains that her dad is also a firefighter at this point, Jake Gyllenhaal is not, but Mm. it's like he gets some insight, because they have just moved there into... What do these men do? They go up and fight the fire. I don't understand. Like, why are they gone? Uh, you know, and she can kind of give some of that. Well, they come until the snow falls and then and the fires go out. So that was kind of, I think, for for that purpose, her placement was really crucial. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I will say back to the, the whole job thing that each mm-hmm. I think the parents also have interesting jobs. I think. The fact that Jake Jonah becomes a firefighter is very symbolic. Is that is this is like there's these wildfires that are going on, and he feels that he is the one that needs to stop it, and he is the one who has to put out these fires. But the thing is, like with wildfires, is they catch so quickly and they spread so fast that they're almost impossible to be stopped. And that's almost what's happening with his wife is that she kind of represents the fire that she can't be stopped and she's trying to find her own happiness and move on and be independent and he's trying to put it out and like still be happy as this one together family but can't quite do it and then with her being the swim instructor Mm. is that she's always kind of moving you know she's she's she wants to move by swimming and teaching other people how to swim because she's trying to gain this sort of independence maybe that's interesting Right. That's, uh, I mean, that's like... It, it could, I could be reading into it too much. He, I, you know, I mean, you never know. Maybe the screenwriter was like, oh, look, swim. No, oh, that works. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I love it. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I was curious of your take on the whole... At one point, she drags Joe up to the wildfire, and I totally thought she was going to leave him there. I <laughs> oh, totally really? thought that was like... I was like, oh, my gosh, could this get like a dark turn? She's going to leave him at the fire and go back with <laughs> oh, Mr. Miller. I did it again. Go team. Um Thank you. Uh, I, I was like, I that whole scene was so weird. I couldn't. What was your take on that? Yeah, that's interesting. I, it's hard to make sense of that scene. Honestly, I, I guess she's showing him to be because she's like, this. See, I wanted you to see like what your dad is actually doing, and maybe it's to show that it is something that's so large and something that really can't be stopped. And she's, like, showing her son that, like, see, like, this is unstoppable and your dad is being an idiot and trying to go in harm's way to try and stop this when it's mm. so large. And it's kind of like this this monstrous thing. He's, like, looking up and, like, he's idealizing this huge fire. And she's almost, like, glorifying it in a sense. Like, sh- maybe. I don't mm. know. That's now, do you I, think it's a metaphor for their relationship? <laughs> I think it might be. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think... Thought- 
It's interesting. Yeah. Because one thing I'd written down towards the beginning of the movie, I was like, oh, maybe this is kind of like representational of the fires that are going mm. on now, and maybe that's something there. And I honestly, I don't even think that that's the point of why he becomes a firefighter or why wildfires are included in this film. I don't think it's saying anything about global warming or anything that's no, happening yeah, now. I don't, I don't think, think that's that at either. all. I think the fire is entirely metaphorical to her independence or the relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal and Carrie mm. Mulligan, I think being a firefighter has nothing to do with a fire. I think it's their relationship. Interesting. Uh, he, I, I thought that that was really a unique experience for her because it, I think it really gave an insight into her personal struggle of what am I doing? You know, I mean, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but we've all had those moments. Um, I think where you you're doing something and you're just like, well, what have I just done? I am an idiot, or I'm, no, this is why I'm doing it. And it's like this back and forth. Like when right. they leave Mr. Miller's house and she's wearing his coat, and they're both kind of uncomfortable by this idea. And then she goes and says, "I'll be right back. I'm going to give him his coat." What are the neighbors thinking at that point? She's pissed. She's right. She, At least she I appears genuinely, to be to the, to the sun. I, I thought she was. I thought she it was, was kind of like that. I don't know. I don't think she's really as lustful. I think she's mad because Mr. Miller kissed her in front of her son. I think that. I agree. I think that's what I don't was. know that she's as mad <clears throat> that it's like, oh, he kissed me. I'm a married woman. I think it's yeah. like, you did this in front of him, really? Are you stupid? Because yeah. I think they had already done stuff, you know, at that point. Really, I don't know if they had actually done stuff yet. I think, think that might have been the first the move. I think there was a lot of tension there. Okay. And then I think, yeah, that was his fault, was doing it in front of the kid. Because I can't... That scene, like, got me. Because I, I can't imagine being a 14-year-old kid... Oh, I know. ...and seeing some guy that you just went to dinner with, and all of a sudden he's kissing your mom mm-hmm. when she's married. I... I can't imagine that. So I could, I could right. see her frustration coming entirely from and that. And then she goes back, and it's like that total lust thing where it's just she's just going after him, and, and it's like, you know. Yeah. And, and then after the fact, she, I don't know. I think she, did that scene happen before they went up to the fire or after? I think that was after. I think the fire was earlier was it on. A- the oh, okay. So maybe that was... Seeing the fire really was a point of... Right. I think like, the fire... Eh, yeah. He's crazy. I mean, look at this thing. It's taken everything out. I'm yeah. over it. I got to figure it out. Yeah. I think that's her, like, realization is that she is something that she needs to go on and be more independent, and she can't be stopped by Jerry. Mm. I think that that's what the purpose of the fire is, and then that kind of obviously progresses and becomes more literal when she suddenly finds yeah. Mr. Miller and, like, mm-hmm. starts a relationship with him. So I think there is something like that going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say another thing is that Jake Gyllenhaal leaves this film for a large portion of it. He's gone. <laughs> In the credits, it literally says, and Jake Gyllenhaal. Did yeah, you, it was yeah, like, oh my gosh. That. Yeah, which is interesting. And I think it's, it's done on purpose uh-huh. very much. So I think, because it emphasizes her transformation, I think. And I, I, you see at the beginning that they're a family and you see their struggle, but you see them as a unit. And then she, he leaves mm-hmm. and you see her kind of go from this stay at home wife to being this more independent person who's someone who's trying to raise class even, or sure. something like that, find a new love. And then he comes back and you feel 
the difference. It's like you feel that there is this disconnect now. You know, she doesn't even come up and greet him and hug him. She right. stays across the room. And I think there's something there to be said that his disappearance is to just highlight her transformation. So when he does come back, you're like, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not the same dynamic it was when he left. Yeah. That, that's interesting. And, you know, that's that's an interesting point because if you think of the other... Um, things depicting that time period it's kind of um dad or male centric Uh dad comes home now we have dinner you know it's that whole thing and then when jake gyllenhaal disappears it's like well now what and so getting that whole insight is kind of uh it definitely goes to serve a purpose and joe totally stepping up and and fixing he fixes the toilet at one point um and then he handles the tv situation because the tv had been broken and he manages to get that handled and then he goes shopping because mom again is off gallivanting and so he he needs to eat something and so he handles that i mean i really think joe's character i caught myself empathizing most interestingly enough with obviously joe that one makes sense but a lot with mr miller i i really actually in a way i felt empathetic towards him because of his whole dynamic and i think he's lonely i mean his wife left him we go you know and it's kind of a bitter thing there and he has this young swim instructor kind of flirting with him, but there was a moment when Jake Gyllenhaal goes to burn his house down where he's like, where's my wife or whatever? And he's like, how should I know? Or who's that? And he's pointing at some other woman and who's that? And he's oh, like, yeah. I, I don't know, or something like that mm-hmm. to reference Jeanette not being there. Right. And I was kind of like, man, this guy, it must suck. <laughs> he's got all this yeah. money, his big old house. And he's sitting here going, no. Right. And I think that is a good segue because I wanted to ask you about, there's this one scene where he's talking to Joe and he's talking about when he flies his plane Mm. and that the best moment of his life was when he saw these geese flying and they were surrounded him and he turns his engine of his plane off Mm -hmm. and he's so scared, obviously, Mm -hmm. because he turns the engine off, but... He said it was so beautiful in that these geese were like angels and he totally forgot his his like his wife and all of his businesses and in that moment he was just there watching yeah. this and I wanted like what do you think you he means by that because he asked Joe like do you understand what I'm saying like what do you think is the lesson he's trying to teach Joe about that I I don't quite know I was thinking the same thing and and I thought maybe it could be like one of those out-of-body experiences you know when you ever i don't know if you get you have these things but when sometimes if i'm doing a scene where it's so intense Mm -hmm. that i really feel like i've dropped into the character I was doing a scene from American Beauty two weeks ago, and this happened. Oh, okay. And I was shaking because I should have been shaking. And, and you just feel so, in that moment, perfect in every way. I think that's the feeling he's referencing, where you're doing something that feels, at that second, so right. 
that everything else just falls away and it's you. And the geese I wanted to bring up because I had a lot of thoughts on them. They're throughout the film, whether Mm -hmm. it's just the noise or they're at the golf course or it was kind of interesting time-wise because they're waiting for the first snow and the geese are leaving at that point. I mean, you can hunt geese down here. Now I'm getting my redneck side out. You can hunt them uh, as early as October down near the border of Mexico. So oh, okay. it's it was kind of an interesting timing thing, but that's a whole other thing. But to answer your question, yeah. I do think it has to do with this kind of everything else leaving, and it's just you and your passion. Okay, I see that. I think so maybe on that point then that he has found his happiness within himself in that moment. And, like, he didn't need the satisfaction of his successful businesses or the love from his wife, but he found Mm -hmm. happiness within himself? I don't know that it's as much that you don't need those things, but it's like you're... I think what he is enticing Joe with is this idea... Because he mentions the hard work part. This is all kind of part of his American Dream monologue thing. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what I'm choosing to call it, but um, <laughs> I like it. where he's he's kind of instilling these values in him while he has his ear. I think it was interesting of him to mention that because that's something he could have only done had he reached a certain success level. Right. Only then would he have his own plan. Only then could he turn it off. And all of those things that he had just mentioned leading up to that led to him having this moment of absolute perfection where he's just, everything else goes away and it's just him and the geese and he feels perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think in a way it's to kind of suggest that if you can establish enough... um, grounds for yourself to reach a point where that is something that's feasible you too can can find the thing that makes you have that um feeling yeah okay i kind of see that i feel like that that monologue is probably the most complex dialogue that is put into this film it's a weird one yeah it's a really i'm like i'm still going to be keep thinking about what exactly that means and i think there's many interpretations you can Mm -hmm. probably gather from that but I, I like that. I think there is, that is probably something you can gather from that. Um, but yeah, another thing you're saying, you empathize with Mr. Miller. I was yeah. curious what you thought, because I think you can empathize with a lot of these characters in different ways, and it, I think that depends on the person. I think Joe is very easily the most empathetic mm. character, just because he is forced to go through this when he didn't want to or had no part in that happening. But... I can also empathize with Carrie Mulligan, like the mom, Jeanette. Oh, yeah. I, I can, I can really empathize with her in a way. I mean, I think she made mistakes, and I don't think she should have cheated on her husband. And I think, but I can, I feel bad for her lack of purpose, and that she feels that she is going nowhere and needs something. That I, I could feel sorry for her because she does come off as very charming and very happy, and she puts on a smile mm-hmm. a lot, and it works. But beneath that there's this anxiety and this fear and loneliness that she finds and maybe that's how she connects with Mr. Miller is that they share this loneliness together in a way yeah did you find yourself rooting for her were you like really going for you're like yeah Carrie do what you gotta do or were you kind of like oh I feel bad but she is hurting other people and and she is hurting her husband and her son 
and it's hard. I, I can empathize with her, but I can't defend, I think, her actions. Okay, sure. Um, but I think that's what makes it so complex is that you're watching this and you really don't know who's doing the right thing, who's doing the wrong thing, because you can empathize with Jake Gyllenhaal as well. I mean, he his wife cheats on him. You can em- really empathize with that. That's Yeah, but, I mean, that would suck. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure that's awful. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you can't really justify his actions and then burning down the person she cheated on him <laughs> with house. Like, I you know. can't, I mean... Of every- all the things, I think that that was an interesting choice because it's so violent, you know, him being at these fires. We see the fires and how, you know intense they are mm-hmm. and yet he's going to burn down somebody's house yeah kind of weird to me i you would think that that would be a little more scarring but maybe that's precisely it maybe he is scarred and he's like i don't care i mean he drops the cigarette yeah. right in the gas to where he's blown back too right which i mean if we're gonna use this whole fire metaphor i think there's something to be said about that i mean he's, he's been trying to put fires out the whole movie, and that's what he's gone to do. That's his job. And if if Carrie Mulligan is the fire, he's trying to, or or with her family and their dynamic is the fire. Then, once she's cheated on him, he's lost everything, and now he's starting fires. Interesting. And there's this there's this contrast there where now he's lost everything, and now he's just going to make it worse, and he's just going to blow it all up. And if he's in the flames too, he's caught in his own chaos, that yeah. his own destruction of a character. And, it's, it's really good. I think just like this. By the end of the film, I am just I was so enthralled in how complex they could develop all of these characters. I just thought it was so fascinating to see. I mean, they're giving such great performances, but you can empathize and also hate almost every character. And I think if you're like, oh, I hate the the husband, I can sure. understand that. And if you say I empathize most with the husband, I can also understand that. And you yeah. can say that about any character, all Mr. Miller, the mother, the son. They're yeah. all so complex and i think that's just like what is so beautiful about this film it yeah they there's so many things i mean just the uh, the attention to detail overall was really great it, there was that ending scene and i i wondered if you had paid attention maybe not maybe mm-hmm. i'm just reading into it who knows but in the beginning of the film when we see the they're coming he's coming home for the chicken dinner ideal setting right mm-hmm. she Carrie Mulligan is serving him, and Joe is placed on the uh, left-hand side of the table. Uh, she is going to sit center, and Jake Gyllenhaal is on the right mm-hmm. of the table, right. and she begins to serve Jake. Well, at the end of the... And she looks very put together. Jake looks a little more torn up. He's wearing his jacket still from working at the right, um, right. the golf course. At the end of the film... Uh, they have a similar scene when she comes back from Portland. Yes. Um, Joe's in the same place. She and Jake Gyllenhaal have switched positions. Mm-hmm. She is now messier wearing an open cardigan. He is put together wearing more of a, of a you know, tight look. And yeah. he serves her. That's, yeah. It was, I just thought, like, this is, huh. I mean, everything is flipped by the end of the film. Every character has transformed into the opposite of basically what they were at the beginning. And And Joe, I think, has blossomed a lot towards the end. I think Joe really let himself not get too affected by it in a way. Because, I don't know, he feels the most normal and the most put together of everybody, I think, in the final scene. Like, he's 
he's asking his parents to follow him. He's been promoted with his job, and he's the one asking to have a photo. I mean, maybe yeah, and, he's... And, uh, the, well, the several times that Jeanette tells him or, or uh, uh, Jerry, you know, he doesn't know anything, cracked me up because of the fact that he apparently would know everything. <laughs> He's the one who gets the picture. He's the one who's the calmest throughout this whole thing going, what are you doing? What are you guys doing? You're nuts. And at the end, I think he, funny enough, in spite of their <laughs> advice of what a man is, what a woman is, all these role type things, he right. seems the most well-rounded and normal of them all. Yeah, I agree. This is This film is... There's so much to it's, say. It's a and, good one. Yeah, it's really good, and there's so much more I'm sure we could talk about, oh, yeah. but we've run out of time. <laughs> that is lamentable, to say the least. I know, but I definitely will be thinking about this film a lot yeah. more, and I will re be re-watching this film, because I think there's so much to gather, and you mm -hmm. can focus on any perspective of any character in, in the film and just kind of see their perspective, like see their side of the story more. You can do that with any of them, and mm -hmm. I think that gives it a great like rewatchability for this film. Yeah, and yeah. Totally. I think this movie might have just like been one of my favorites for this year. Actually, it's, this, it's, this is awesome. <laughs> I, thank you for enlightening me. I didn't even know it existed. Yeah, until yeah. you text me. So that I'm was sure great. most people haven't heard of this movie, and they should. It's, <laughs> now it's, it's it's worth knowing. It's a very underrated film, I think, of this year. But yeah, yeah. that kind of wraps it up for this episode. Well, thank so, you for having me. Yeah, it's been thank fun. you it's for been coming. Real. You drove. Quite a bit to get you here, know, so I really appreciate that. It's all good, man. It was great fun. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So, yeah, thanks for coming on. And this has been wrapping up for a new episode of So What'd You Think? So we're going to have a new episode next week, and that's going to be uh, So What'd You Think of 2018? And we're, we're giving our top ten best of the movies from 2018, as well as our worst movie and some other fun stuff in there. So stay tuned for that. But all right, peace. Thank you.